Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. Welcome to Base Tyson Jacks. I'm Tamar Andrew on the board. SP features up 11.75. Nasdaq features up 32.50. Walmart turnings just came out. Uh, they beat on uh, certainly the revenue, and they raised full year guidance. Talking about uh, sales up 3.5% year over year. I don't know what the inflation uh, that's good or not. I guess it's good enough. Uh, stock is was up more. Now it's up uh, 222. It was up as much as three. Then it was about duck buck 47. So it's up. Uh, but right now it's trading 150, 199. Do we have uh, Professor Lou? I uh, I hear you loud and clear, sir. Well, good, good. That's a uh, such such a pilot type of thing. <laughs> well, the. Uh I, I'm working at one of my uh, a number or a number of my cases with former military uh, attorneys, several of whom are uh, former Marine Jags, and uh, it, it's amazing how quickly you lapse into military speak. So, so when we get on a Zoom meeting together, uh, you know, you'll hear them say things like, uh, you know, somebody will say, "Can you hear me?" and and you know, the client will say, "Can you hear me?" and one of the Jags will say, "Yeah, I've, I've got you five by five. How me?" You know, oh good! It's, it's a very hey. I'm I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start the show. With, hey, wait a minute! Did any of these creatures look like Catherine Bell? No, no. This I've is never, this is I've bad. Never met nobody. Nobody looked as good in uniforms as the people on that show. Just just get that woman out of your head. She comes up every time I mention the word Jack. Well, you know, it's that's it was a show. You know. Uh, anyway, let me start. Let me start by mentioning something that I suspect none of. Uh, you, you haven't been hearing over at the bar or anything else, and that is, I'm I'm wondering if if I was a Republican bomb thrower, and and there are a few of them, I think I would introduce articles of impeachment against Barack Obama and maybe Joe Biden in the House of Representatives. How do you impeach over. a guy who's already gone? Oh, that that problem's already been taken care of by the Democratic Congress when they impeached Donald Trump. But he was uh, just leaving. He left. Well, you know. Yeah. The, the legal status, the legal status is the same for a president who's gone, regardless of whether he's gone for, for now or whatever. And I'm just, I'm just saying, and and you can impeach the vice president, you can impeach uh, Biden. There'd be interesting constitutional questions to whether you can impeach Biden at this point. But if I was a Republican bomb thrower, I would, I would be introducing articles of impeachment against both Barack Obama, at least with the idea that maybe we could touch his pension, and against uh, Joe Biden for. Their, I don't know what the term would be, not acquiescence, but they're they're engaging in conduct that, that's inconsistent with the uh, with the Constitution by agreeing to the weaponizing of the FBI uh, as a political tool 
against an incoming president. First of all, in okaying it during the campaign, but then being briefed on it and and agreeing to it, uh, and and knowing that you know this was a this was a bogus charge, um, and and formally setting the wheels in motion that were designed to to basically run a soft coup attempt against uh, against Donald Trump. And I'm, you know, I thought I thought Trump was was okay as a president in terms of of his actual policies. I thought he was a disaster in terms of what he did to the American body politic. And I I'm really hoping that he does not run or does not get the nomination. But what came out in that Durham report was a disaster. And and I think certainly clearly much more impeachable kind of conduct by the president and the vice president than than even the January six craziness stupidity by by Trump. So So this would be I'm not sure I'm not sure it would be it obviously wouldn't go anywhere because the Senate would never vote to convict. But I think I think an impeachment trial is is the best way to try to drive some kind of accountability for what was clearly a very dangerous and and unprecedented kind of threat to our constitutional norms. And so I would I just I toss that out there, you know, and I well, as you as you toss it out now, I have a I have a few questions for you. Is Obama is Obama even considered a guy from Chicago anymore? Oh, I don't know. He'll never be back. No, or even has his house here anymore. I don't think so. I don't think so. What I have a couple questions along that same vein, if you're going down that because we've been somewhat talking about this. Well, you know, you know what's weird, Lou, is, is the more it sounds really stupid when I say the show is really about everything depends on everything else. It's, you can't just have one story and then a sep- totally separate story because they all at some point come together. I don't... Yesterday I was mentioned, I listened to a... I think she was Republican, but I'm not positive. She was, a, uh, I think, a first-term, somewhere in the South, African-American lady representative. And she was talking about how... How can anybody believe that we can clean up anything else and we can't even clean up our own house and we got this representative in here that's indicted and we can't even throw him out? Oh, uh, you're talking about Santos. Yeah. And uh, I just, when, when, you, when you, you, you... You know, I, I, you had you had elected to Congress uh, congressman, uh, what, what was the guy's name? Was He was a federal judge and he was actually impeached for taking bribes. Wasn't that Hastings? Well, we probably uh, from Florida, and then Adam Adam Clayton Powell, the uh, the congressman from New York. I mean, I mean, I'm reaching back a little bit here, but but those people, those people were, you know, they were felons. Now, now Santos is not uh, and convicted. I mean, Hastings was Hastings was, if I remember correctly, convicted um, as a federal judge taking taking bribes, if I remember right. Uh, Santos hasn't been convicted. I mean, I, he seems like he seems like a, a whack job. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's like a total whack job. All the stuff that he's that he's done and he said, he he just he seems like it's just a pathological liar. He's he's, uh, he's reflexive. In well, terms of, of his, I guess of his where, where I'm kind of going with this is that I everything I read. I mean, I I'm not gonna more and more comes out with uh, with with you know. But Santos, Santos does not reflect. I, I agree, he should not be in Congress. 
but he does not reflect the kind of threat to constitutional value. I, I understand. Where, where I'm getting with this is that we have a situation, everything you, everything you read or even touch or, or comes at a show. Last week, uh, somebody, I was one of the listeners, or I might have been one of the contributors, was talking about some, oh, it was a Wall Street Journal report. Uh, a guy here in the office sent it to me. It had to do with how many people in all the agencies that are regulating these companies are trading the companies. Oh, yeah, I saw that report. And then uh, then it has to do with how many people in Congress are trading and doing this and what they're... And I, I, when you talk about, you know, essentially outrage at the behavior of Trump or Biden or any of these people, the thing I don't... I don't understand. I don't really. I don't get. I, I, you know, I don't know all these people. Um, I should maybe. Or so, so, so the so the the lack of accountability in our federal bureaucracy is legendary. Well, but why? Well, why? We always seem to have Illinois the same way. Chicago, God, God. Let's let's. But I'm saying mind. I want to go back to the Iran Contra situation. Sure. It, at least you had a Dan Inouye that you could put in charge of that investigation. That nobody could say a bad word against the guy. Well, well we, who's nobody's, that guy nobody's now? Gonna, nobody's going to say a bad word against uh, against um, what's his face Durham. Nobody's going to. He, he's he's unimpeachable. Okay, but how many uh, how many people are? I mean, I would even say that Bob Dole was in that class. I don't think I'm, was it? I'm not. I'm not looking. I, I mean, I would love to think that we had we had somebody out there that was reasonably, uh, you know, honest, and and whose dealings were not. We're not tainted by some blatant conflict of interest, but but you know, we're not we're not going to get accountability. That the, this investigation, the Durham investigation, and what it has revealed, coming on the heels of what we are seeing with the COVID backpedaling, oh yeah, and and incompetence, um, it is a, a clear signal that we're not getting any accountability. Well, I then, but then you what you what I, you I almost need I, I is. I can't believe I I'm saying this. What you I almost need is... the impeachment. We need a... Uh, start an accountability process. If we, could, if we could go back to Roman times, we need to consider this almost a war against whatever is now in our government because it's turning into something that is... I don't know what it even is. It, it's, it's turning into the, you know, who will guard the guards. I mean... We almost need a six-month dictator like they used to have in Rome, and then the guy would go back to his farm like George Washington wanted to. We need something like There's, there's got to be 500 people out there that need to be arrested tomorrow, Lou. Chief, Chief. Maybe 1,000. We know, we know, for example, that the FBI, and we've known this for some time, we know that the FBI basically falsified warrants yeah. to go to the FISA court and, and get a spy warrant on an American citizen, a foreign intelligence warrant on an American citizen with information that the FBI knew was false. And and you know what happened? Some some lawyer got a six month suspension for that. People ought to be disbarred. You know, if if, if there was the, the left the left by the way does this. I haven't I'm not aware of anybody in the right doing this kind of stuff. But the left does this routinely. Every attorney involved in Crossfire Hurricane Every every person, every lawyer whose fingers touch that file, should be reported to their state bar association uh, for engaging in conduct that should should cause them to lose their license. Who's who's going to do it, Lou? Who's cleaning up I, the door? Well, I mean, I mean, I don't I don't know who's going to do it. I do I do know 
that that there are are some movements in some places where people are going to make those filings, but but that at a but that's not even being done. That and, and the guy that the guy that falsified that warrant, I, I think got like a six month six month bar. Who's going to out of all the people running for president now? Who's running on an honest on an honesty platform? None of them. Uh, I don't. I, I haven't. Well, I don't think DeSantis is formally running, so I, I don't. Maybe when he kicks in, he'll he'll try to run on that. Oh, really? But <laughs> look at look at the crap he's pulling with Disney. None of that's none of that's needed. Well, well, but you know, that's not dishonest. Well, I mean, I, I, I he could be. I don't know that much about him yet. But I'm saying it's not like. Uh, I mean, I don't know where the where this even comes from. I can't get over that the that the, that the people here in Illinois, when when you've got a company. I don't know why I beat up on these guys because they're better in the news. It's Commonwealth Edison. I didn't realize, Lou, they they, they ended up with a uh, deferred prosecution if they helped if they helped point fingers at other people. Where does where does that come from? Uh, but they're the ones who did it. They're the ones who did the bribing. I mean, I mean again, you, we you and I said this a long I said this a long time ago to you. You are not going to start cleaning up this mess in terms of public servant accountability or or in terms of large corporate compliance issues until you start sending people to jail until you start cutting off people's pensions yeah but who's the who's the you who's gonna, who's gonna do individuals. it who's gonna do it there there are there are mechanisms in place I mean I mean your Justice Department people who, who have prosecutorial discretion on these things could reach in and start putting putting people in jail God, but how could you it's like the Dan Ryan. Everybody's going ninety. How would you feel if you're the first person pulled over? Why me? Well, but that 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 doesn't matter. I mean, I mean, the fact that other people are breaking the law. If I catch you, and other people are breaking the law, I'm, it's no defense to, for me to tell the police officer, "Look, all these other guys are speeding." I, well, I, I understand that, but they they literally in Washington right now. How how could you find? How would you even? How would you even put your finger on the first insider trading case? When 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 there's literally hundreds of them. Sitting right well, in front of your nose. I, I, again, the way I would put my finger on it, if I was a prosecutor, is I would look at the easiest one to prove, and I'd take that one, and I, I'd, I'd put that one up. Or I'd pick the most egregious that I, I thought think, I could prove. I, mean, it, I would, if it was me, and you know, and I had, to, you have to have a lot of people behind you. But if it was me, in my State of the Union address, I'd say, you know what, I'm not giving anybody any kind of a pardon here, but let me just say that from this day forward. You're fair game if you do any of these things, and and believe me, we're we're going to come after you because this is not, this is not what we want in government. This is you're, you're so, not. So why not? So why not start from the top down? Why not impeach? Why not file articles of impeachment? Why not convene an impeachment? Because ev- everybody. In the hearing. Lou, when these guys fight across the aisle, I listened to Nikki Haley the other day. And I couldn't believe she's talking about. 9-11 people coming across the southern border right? of all the things wrong with the southern border it's not one of the things I thought about but anyway so, but I mean, they have, they have their talking points they have to throw in there you, no matter what they do, no matter how much angst you appear to, or appears to be between let's say Schumer and McConnell at the end of the day they're both getting paid by the same people they, they must stop talking on TV and start laughing with each other and, and put the check in their pocket Nope. There's no way that those guys aren't together in this, in, in, in the in the mess we're talking about. Not not politically or whatever, but they're they're both absolute. The one guy's wife has been on all these boards, 
I don't know what Schumer. Schumer's got to have an angle someplace. I don't know what it is exactly, but I mean, I, they, I, they, they okay. never accuse well, the other I, guy. I, let, let's let's. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna use that wife standard, then let's start at the top. Let's impeach Joe Biden. Exactly. For, oh, without a doubt. What's happening? What what happened with his family donations? Well, I I just I, how how can you you know where I'd start? I'd throw the chief justice out. His wife made eleven million dollars last year putting people in law firms that that go in front of the Supreme Court. Do you, okay, so so I'm I, I, because that touches directly. I think that's an unreasonable standard, because people's wives work, and these are power couples, and and it's impossible. I, I, has she placed? Has she directly placed somebody who's argued in front of the court? I'm I'm sure that's the, I'm sure that's what people want for some day. Once you get in the game, Lou, the, the game you're, you're not. Has she placed? Okay. She, as far as I know. The answer is no. Right, Lou. She made her her commissions, and I'm reading this in one article somebody sent me. Uh, her commissions that she earned were 11 mil. Yet her share of the commission is like over 10. Is your share of your of the stuff you bill, the stuff that you bill at a, at a law firm, ever been 90 percent? So what? And I mean, I, this lady could be. Rap dead brilliant and gorgeous. I don't even know. I don't know what you. So but there's, what? Okay, because why? Why do her compensation? Why do you care what her compensation is unless it shows that she's being paid directly to influence Supreme Court decisions? Why? Why do? Why do people here, State Farm, among other people, because they like to do a lot of it, among other people, why do they constantly pay uh, huge contributions to judges getting in office when eighty percent of them land at Twenty Sixth oh, Street or someplace? Oh, and, ne- and I, never, I, I have all kinds. I have all kinds of problems with that. Okay, but I'm saying I, but it, this it, is you're 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 looking at something that's much more attenuated than you need to. Okay, what I'm what I'm what I'm saying is, they know. I got to believe State Farm is not stupid. They know that eighty percent of the judges they support, seventy percent, whatever whatever the the number is, are going to be somebody. You're going to become a judge. You're going to go down to Twenty Sixth Street, and you're doing armed yeah, robberies the rest of your life down there, and maybe you become a really good judge, and everybody says you do a great job. You never get a State Farm case, but they the they state, want eighty percent of the people in there owing them something. If the state is stupid enough to elect their judges like this, then this is the this is the trade-off. It's impossible to have an election for judges where you, they're not taking money from somebody. I, I'm just I'm just a guy, Lou. I'm a, I'm a simple sort from the South Side. I think people that have a lot of money have a lot of money because they really care about it, and, and a lot of them are cheap screws. If if they if somebody's going to pay somebody that kind of dough, they're doing it for a reason. I don't I don't want this lady doing that. I don't I don't want Janet Yellen getting seven million dollars between the Federal Reserve Chairman for money she was supposed to be regulating. After she's out, she gets two hundred fifty five hundred thousand dollars for. For a speaking engagement, does anybody uh, want to listen I, to her I'm for five hundred thousand? My, my point, okay. So I'm going to go back and say, let's fix this from the top. And I'm saying let's this Chief go, Justice but, is the top in my mind. No, he's not. No, he's he's. I mean, he's one. He's one aspect of it. But but let's let's not even. The Chief Justice wasn't weaponizing the Supreme Court to go after political enemies. Right, so now, but now we're okay. We're we're looking at. So you think that's back. you think that's horrible? I think insider trail, but whatever. Floats our boat. We're going to say no, that that's horrible. No, I think I think I could draw a straight line to from what Barack Obama and Joe Biden authorized at the end of their administration to the U.S. Constitution, 
and I can draw a straight line from that and say this is the executive branch using executive tools, the federal law enforcement agencies, using those tools, authorizing those tools to attack a political enemy. And that's constitutionally unsound. I, I'm it's with you. a violation of our constitutional principles. I can draw a straight line from that. You can't draw a straight line from Robert's wife take, getting money doing work in, in law. What, what I, she, she was a lawyer. I, she stopped practicing law I, to avoid a conflict. I, uh, and this is way worse, in my mind. Pay the guy $5 million a year to be the chief justice and tell his wife not to work unless she's doing donations or something. Don't pay, pay uh, what's his name? Uh, McConnell, well, they, they, a bunch yeah. of money. Get his wife off a board of some company that gets nothing but favors from the government. I don't want it that way, Lou. I don't, I don't care if, if she's in office. You know what? I, I don't get to go. I don't want Nancy Pelosi's wife. I don't want her putting stuff in, in the uh, in the bills to help, so there's no minimum wage increase in Samoa where the guy's got a plant. I don't okay, want any of that and stuff. That's, and that's that's a problem. But but my position to go back to what I was saying is, and and I I'll, I'll love to hear some commentary on this from our our listeners and and your other guests. I think you can draw a straight line. Those are those are problematic. They're likely illegal. But but I can't. I can. It's a little bit more of a convoluted line from that to a constitutional issue. I'm with you. The idea that the idea that you have the president of the United States basically is telling the FBI, "Okay, go ahead, target our political our political opponents. Let's let's get this ball rolling." On some, I don't know what the theory was as to why they were doing it that way, but let's get this let's get this, this ball rolling so that we can we can undermine a sitting president of the United States. And maybe you know, maybe get him tossed out on evidence that we know is bad. To do that, I would never. You know, I would never justify something offense. like that. I would never. I just, it's. I don't. I don't know where. I guess I don't know where you. I don't know where you start, Lou. And, and you know, it's funny. I have a. You, you a, start. You start where you start. Well, you start. You know? You'd start in one spot. I mean, you know, having a discussion with you, it's interesting. There's, there's a, there's a guy. Actually, you know what? He's, he's very liberal, but he's also a very brilliant attorney, which you know. I'm going to say you're very right wing, but you're very. You and you and he would have a great discussion. The guy's name is Luke. I talk to him once in a while on the Tripoli, but I see him once every few months. And we sit down, and I think he listens to the show once in a while. And he's always giving me some grief about, you know, I I didn't check this fact out as much as I before I lobbed it out there and so forth. And when you say this about congressmen, uh, you know, you can't. And I and I said to him, I said, Luke, you know, I I understand that when I generalize, okay, that. If I were to take every single congressperson and every single senator, there's probably in there there's a lot of really good apples. I mean, I, I get it. You're, you know, uh, criticism taken. Um, like when you tell me something, I'll just say right out, you're right. I, I shouldn't have done that. I mean, I'll say, Luke, criticism taken. I said, but you have to understand, even though you're an attorney and everything goes around your head four times before it comes out of your mouth, which I can't say that I do. Uh, you have to understand that when a perception reaches this stage, it almost doesn't matter. I mean, it almost doesn't matter. I mean, any any trial attorney, any guy who who goes into court, who gets up in front of a jury, will will agree with you instantly, because in a litigation setting, as I've said before, what actually happened doesn't matter. In a litigation setting, you know, you're, the 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 truth. 
is not what you're interested in as a litigator. What you're interested in as a litigator is what you think or what you can get people to believe. Right. It's making your story better than the other side's story. And and so what actually happened disappears in that in that effort. The 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 and any competent litigator will tell you I am working on perceptions from the minute I, I pull up to the courthouse and from the to the minute I leave. And 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 I am manipulating, I am working to, to generate a perception that is favorable to my client. And what actually you know, what actually happened, unless unless I unless I believe that that my client or one of my witnesses is lying to the court, at, at which point I have a, I have a, a legal obligation to advise the uh, to advise the, the court that this is going on. But but if if once I once I start that process, I am constructing a story that is designed to create an impression in the mind of the fact finder that this is the correct the correct worldview. Well, I mean, if you look at before a break, just you look at what's happening to the police countrywide, Lou. I mean, my my dad was a policeman, my uncle was a policeman, my step grandfather was a policeman. All really good people, from what I understand, and it, it it's how can I say this without stumbling over it again? From in most people's perception, it it was horrible when a couple of policemen watched you know bad things happen and, and a, a couple of different trials. You remember the names of the people? I don't, but uh, we're well, you know Rodney, guys, we'd start with Rodney King, yeah, which was probably the most obvious one. But I'm saying the it's I mean it's 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 bad that it happened. But it's it's horrible that other policemen stood there and watched. I mean that's that that's the part that I think has never been brought out there. I mean I know I, mean, I know I think I know that ninety ninety five percent of the policemen and the and men women on the Chicago police force are probably amazingly upstanding people, take their work very seriously, and, and wouldn't hurt a fly if they fly didn't deserve it. Uh, yet every single one of them also knows three or four people has no business being a policeman, and yet they're still there. So after years and years of that, that's coming home to roost, I think, in a lot of areas. And, and everybody's being tired with the same brush, which they don't deserve to be. Yet, to a certain extent, they made their own bed. Am I right or, right or wrong? Well, it, it, this, this is exactly the, the situation that, that existed in Chicago when I, uh, shortly after I moved out here. You remember the, the video of that off-duty police officer attacking that female bartender? Yeah, and and throwing her around, that that was the last straw for for Daly. That's yeah. why they brought in Jody Weiss to try to clean it up. But yes, they created they created that impression, and it and it, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't incorrect. No, and yet the fact is, you don't want to lose these people either because they're really good cops. I mean, mo- I mean, I'm real. Anyway, S&P but, futures uh, up nine, Nasdaq's up thirty six, Walmart's the stock of the day here. It's up two eighty two, trading one fifty two thirty five, so mildly up less than two percent. We'll be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. 
Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Hello and welcome back to Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. Andrew on the board. SP Futures up 9. NASDAQ is up 38. We're down a little bit last night, but certainly just a... Because we were up so much yesterday, we were down a little bit just where we taking a little profit, I think. And then we're up this morning. We'll see. I don't know if we have a day like yesterday, but yesterday was really something. Uh, yesterday, of course, the Dow was down 360 the day before, but yesterday we were up 408. S&P was up 48. NASDAQ up 157. It just kind of relentless to the upside all day as everybody keeps thinking this... Uh, the uh, budget impasse of Congress is going to be solved, and there are all kinds of people. Oh man, the minute this is solved, we're going to go blowing through 4,300 on the S&P, and we're 4,180. I don't know about that. We'll talk about that with Lou in a second. But we're here. We got the DAX up 275. That's 1.7. These guys have been real quiet the last few days. They haven't gone anywhere, but now they did this morning or are today. What's he up 43.6 percent? CAC around up 72. Point, uh, what's well, uh, full one percent? The uh, uh, Asia, we've got the Nikkei up 480, 1.6%. Hang Seng up 166, still under 20,000, 19,727. We got Shanghai up uh, 13.4%. So we're bullish everywhere today. 
uh, Bonds up two basis points, 3.6. That's pretty high. Uh, the Bund up points, uh, seven basis points, 2.41. So this idea of markets keeping going up while interest rates are going up, that's... Uh, what about that one? Japan up three basis points, 0.39. It didn't didn't used to be like that, but now this, this is a new world. Well down 14 cents, 72.75. Brent down 19 cents, 76.77. Natural gas up a penny, 2.38. Arbob unchanged, 2.56. Got gold down 7.30, 19.77. We don't want no stinking gold either. Silver down 22 cents, 23.67. Copper down three cents, 3.72. We've got Bitcoin down five bucks, so call that flat, 27,369. And the U.S. dollar is uh, against the euro it's the dollar is up again today the euro's down to 108 it was 111 two weeks ago it's a big move for you know in something like that it's like three percent and a and british pound is uh down to 124 and it was almost pushing 127 so dollar's gotten a lot stronger that's what's taking the wind out of gold and oil and what do you have for us trevi weather sports all right it's a 637 here in chicago uh, starting off with some sports, uh, with some baseball. Last night we got two losses in Chicago. Uh, the Cubs, or excuse me, no, we got one loss in Chicago. Uh, the Cubs lost to the Astros, and in their game six to seven. After they the were winning six to two the whole way. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And the White Sox won over the Guardians in their game seven to two. Over in Phoenix, the Diamondbacks won over the Athletics five to three. And over to Chicago weather, is currently 48 degrees right now, sunny skies. Might be getting a little bit warmer today. Yeah, it looks like about 73 at 4 p.m., so big change there. And over in Phoenix, they're currently at 77 degrees. They're going to go up to about 96 today. It looks like by 2 p.m., they're going to have mostly cloudy skies. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic, it's like a pretty simple day today. If you're coming in on the Stevenson, there's uh, one accident to make note of. That's on the inbound on near Damon Avenue. There's an accident on the left shoulder, but looks like not too much traffic behind it. Other than that, traffic's really only heavy on the inbound Kennedy due to that ever-so-wonderful construction. But other than that, it's not a bad day on the roads. That's Lu- all I got. Lou, explain to me again, Lucy, why we, why we got rid of Jimmy Buckets? Ah. Yeah, good uh, good question. Um, well, uh, Chief, do you do you want do you want to go through the litany of terrible Chicago sports decisions? You want to talk about Mitch Trubitsky? Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about you want to talk about the fact that you know the 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 best quarterback that Chicago's had in decades was a guy named Jay Cutler. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. They, they, the weird part is they they, had a, they traded up to get Mitch too. It wasn't like they took him in a regular. Oh spot. no! Oh no! I, it, it it was a it was a total and complete failure of your scouting operation. And I think you know who else. But but listen, we're not the the Bears have the Bears have good company because if I'm not mistaken, this Trey Lance kid with uh, San Francisco is uh, is going to be gone if uh, if Purdy. If Purdy comes back in any kind of of playing shape, yeah. Um, well, I, I, I mean, and, and they traded up. They traded up to get him. They thought he was going to be the second coming down there, and you know, they've they've been a much more successful franchise. It, the drafting. I, I, I my father talked about about kind of the craziness with drafting that 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 goes on, and the the fights that go on inside the inside the the draft rooms now the the system is much better it's much more thorough now because the money is so much bigger than it was you know 30 years ago 
but the the, the fights were the same. Uh, you know, as people were willing to bet the farm on one guy or another guy, or this is the can't miss guy, and and you know, it, it's kind of like picking the NC2A tournament. You you the safest way to go, and, and you know, maybe the best way to go is to is to look at look at the the people that are sort of consensus great players but but nobody nobody wants to do that you know you don't make a name for yourself as a general manager unless you unless you take a few risks and 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 get that that you know diamond in the rough that nobody that nobody thought about and and i'm sure that in the 49ers general uh, general manager office or player personnel office there's somebody patting themselves on the back about this pretty kid but but the entire organization lined up behind Trey Lance, uh, really a very high risk, uh, high risk pick, uh, coming from a school where he did not get a lot of high end competition, and and you know he, for, for you know whatever, isn't isn't able to to execute or, or is having trouble executing and and it's taken a long time to do so, whereas you pick a kid like Purdy in the seventh round. It's almost an afterthought, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, almost an afterthought. You you pick him and and plop him in there and, and he gets dropped. He gets dropped into a system where he instantly performs as well as your your so called veteran who was who was in there before him. And, I don't and, I don't think uh it, you know, was... it's 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 a so so my point is Organizations organizations make mistakes like this all the time, and frequently they are the result in, in the in the NFL anyway. Frequently they are the result of somebody high up the food chain getting a wild hair uh, about somebody uh, some some prospect, and 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 saying, okay, I'm going to bet the farm on this guy because in my professional judgment he can't miss, and they're wrong all the time. Dan, Daniel Jones at uh, at the Giants. Um, the the kid from uh, BYU with the Jets, you know that this 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 happens this happens regularly. Well, I think when you start stepping up in in terms of speed and so forth, every you know there's there's people reach their kind of limits. But I think one of the you keep talking about sort of the quarterback position, and to a large extent, it's it's a different position in college than it is in pro. Absolutely. And and for somebody to. I mean, even even this this kid uh, on, on the on the Bears who has all his talent, when it comes right down to needing him on a, a two minute drive at the end of the game, he's a horse bleep quarterback. Now maybe he'll yeah. get better. He's a, he's a learner and he's a, he's a, seems like a kid who wants to learn, uh, and I think he is improving. But the simple fact is he's he's your your best running back, and but then when you really need him to be a quarterback, he's average at best. I mean, am I wrong on that? I mean, it's no. I think I think you're absolutely right. And 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 again, this is this is why one of the things that that the Purdy situation, and I'm using him because he's the most recent example, but there are others. But one of the things that the Purdy situation tells you, or teaches you, or should teach you, is that the 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 physical attributes are are important, but beyond a certain point. You know they're irrelevant because this kid this kid does not need to make you know the average NFL offense is so complex he does not need to make 70 yard throws very very few quarterbacks do Johnny United said 
you should always, you should be able to throw it sixty, but you should never have to throw it more than forty. Exactly, and 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 that's and in that system, I mean, you you saw what I mean. I mean, look for God's sake, Tom Brady. You know, but he Brady, was Brady. Brady but you wasn't you, a you have to you have to be able to hum the twenty yard down and out. That's the hardest pass. That's that's exactly right. And if you could complete that pass, but more importantly, you know. It, the, the throws that they say, look, we want to, a quarterback. We need a quarterback to be able to make certain certain throws. Put the ball in a in a certain window. That that's true, but it's much more important for that quarterback to be able to get through three reads before he has to release the football. Oh yeah, well, which very few people can do. Because that's right. Because because in the in the average NFL offense, you know, somebody one of those three guys is going to be open every play well my every, buddy my buddy coach uh who's, who's been on he's been on the show a couple of times my buddy coach uh he was an offensive coordinator of purdue and he said the at this this is you know in the 80s he said the only or 90s he said the only he said the uh, most colleges it's one read some colleges like notre dame there's two reads and the only schools that had three reads are purdue and byu yeah in college and you saw, and you saw the, and you saw the the results. They produced, they produced top flight, you know, yeah. some top flight quarterback products. I, I just, the the, we're at the point, or we're getting, we're getting to the point where, or maybe we're not at the point, but we were at the point where where everybody was looking for the best athlete, and and you know my response to that has always been, no, what you're looking for is the best combination. Of athletic ability, that is enough ability to complete. Well, when people say tasks, that, but match it, match it with the smarts to be able to fit into that offense. Well, it's not really. Offense. I'm going to say that Chicago translation is that's not really what that means, Lou. I mean, you you are correct in what the definition ought to be, but if you ask the, the normal schmo fan, which I am and all my buddies are, uh, that means. Um, if you take the best athlete available, it means you take the best combination player, like you're talking about, regardless of position. That's why the Bears were so happy this year. They didn't have a position they had to worry about. <laughs> they could take the best guy. It's not like you have two all-pro guards and the best guy on the board's a guard. And we say, what am I going to do with this guy? And you pass on him. No. no. That, that's what most people think about when you don't take the best athlete available. I mean, it would, but if you take the best athlete, you'd say, even if I have a terrific quarterback, if somehow this quarterback falls to me, I got to take him because he's the best guy there. But most teams don't do that, or won't do no. that. No, I mean, I mean, but we do hang up on, we do hang up on physical attributes of speed and arm strength. And, yes, you know all that, and and you you look at that, and maybe again, we've had this discussion. I, I don't know a pro coach, <coughs> and my my father my father talked about this all the time. I, I, the the ego of the average NFL coach with respect to what they can do with raw talent is 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 pretty big. Oh, I, I don't imagine. know an NFL coach who doesn't say, "Yeah, you give me a kid with that raw athletic ability, and I can coach him up to fit the offense." And the short answer is, you can't. There are there are people whose ability to assimilate the information that you need to to, to handle as an NFL quarterback or an NFL offensive lineman or or an NFL defensive uh, defensive back in coverage or linebacker in coverage at, 
at some point their ability to assimilate that information disappears. Well, I, I think Lou, the game always plateaus. The game always changes, and my my uncles <laughs> they were they were massive football fans because one of them played twelve years of pro ball and like God knows what league he played for an armory team. But every week he played and he got paid, you know, fifty bucks or hundred bucks, whatever it was. And uh, he played twelve years, and they used to scrimmage against the Bears. They didn't play him in a you know a season game, but my uncle said, you know, the Bears because the Bears have never lost a star. They paid Red Grange, although they didn't really pay Red Grange. They went on a barnstorming tour, and he essentially paid for himself, right, by, by, by selling tickets because he was Red Grange, and then he got paid. It wasn't like Hallis was going to pay him if he didn't, didn't make any money. Uh, they paid George Conner a huge amount as a lineman. They, ne- they never lost a star. But they also thought the people at the end of the bench were just bags of balls. And, and he said they when, they when we went from 12 games to 14, they dropped down a notch because... Your depth became more important, and when they went from 14 to 16, and I'm going to say right now, Lou, in this 17-game deal with the playoffs now, even more games, with only seven rounds in the draft, and I say only, I'm going to say the teams, even the Patriots, have hit kind of a you know kind of a down the last couple of years after what's his name left. The teams that scout and and pick up, I mean the Bears did this year. This kid from Wisconsin, he just happened to show here to linebacker. Mm-hmm. I mean he. he I think the teams that, that grab five or six of the best undrafted guys, and how they're they're either on their practice squad or they're on the they're the bottom five people on the roster, those people are all going to play a boatload by the end of the year with 17 games. I think they're way more important. I mean, in theory, the way the draft system is, unless you're a total schlump like some teams seem to be. Uh, Hell, you know, you go through Mel Kiefer's list. How can you? How, do you, how can you screw up? I mean, you're gonna at, at every round. I mean, you're, you're gonna find somebody a little better, and maybe you're gonna, you know. But by and large, you and I ought to be able to take the first three rounds and not screw it up so bad. What everybody? Yes. Uh, agreed. But, but yet, but to and try yet and get, do. and yet teams do. <laughs> yeah, but to try and get the three, four other guys that people totally miss. That if you need them in a, in a November or December game, they can go in and. and and not embarrass themselves and actually hold down the fort for you in that position for a week or two. I think that those guys are – the Patriots were always huge at that. The, the, their bottom ten guys yes. were always better than anybody else's bottom ten guys. That, that, that's right, and you, and you saw that they drafted that way too. Yeah. If, you watched, if you watched them during the draft, they were constantly trading their high-end picks or higher picks for multiple lower picks because that's where they thought, that's where they, thought they, could, they could make money. When you first um, started on the show, Lou uh, – a while ago, now somebody had. I'm cleaning my place. I'm looking for somebody's pieces of paper. There was somebody. Was this, this incredible article. Somebody had to be. I don't know. What, the guy must not have had a life. But he went through. He cataloged the Patriots. Like one year, they they trade two fifth round picks for the Bears. I fourth this round article. Yeah, for the Bears, like fourth round picks. Yep. One yep. fourth round pick. So the, the, and then two years later, the guy is uh, in the rotation. The fourth round pick. For the Patriots and the two fifth-round guys, the Bears are out of football, or the other way around. They did they, yeah. they'd get rid uh-huh. of a, a fourth-round pick for two fifth-round picks, and both those two guys are like on their practice squad, where the fourth-round pick somebody else picked is is you know ten and bar somewhere. It was and they would run they would run those deals, and they would they would run people for the length of their rookie contracts, where they had them on they had them getting them for next to nothing, and then and then cut them, or or trade them, uh, before uh, if they if they you know if they weren't superstars. Trade them before before they had to uh, renegotiate that second that second deal. I I wanted to give you an anecdote from back in the good old days. 
uh, about bench depth and quarterbacks. So in, in 1968, the Vikings carried two quarterbacks, a guy named Gary Quazzo. Who Remember was him? United States backup in, uh, in uh, Baltimore. And Joe Cap. So Quazzo was a better passer. And, and, and the guy, not great arm strength, but, but smart. Um, he, uh, you know, he had a... He had a Joe Cap was throw. one tough boy. Well, this is where I'm going. Yeah. So, so uh, Cap starts the game. He wins the starting job. Sometime in, I think, the first quarter, he gets knocked out. He gets a concussion. I mean, he gets hit. He gets hit so hard that he's really not seeing out of one one eye properly. He's not. His vision is blurred. So they, they don't. Of course, 1968. They don't take him. They don't take him off the field. They put him on the bench, and and try to get him. You know, get his head straight. A but, little smelling but, salt should be good to go. Well, no, they didn't do that. They 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 sat him because he couldn't he couldn't see, and uh, and Gary Gary goes into play, so so Quazo, you know I think I think Alex Karras got to him, but but Quazo lasts like a quarter and a half or something like that, and then he gets hit and he breaks his shoulder, um and 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 effectively doesn't have a right arm anymore, so. They, they got nobody, so they go down to the bench and they say, "Joe, how you feeling?" <laughs> and and Cap says, "I mean, I mean, I could see a little bit better now." And they said, "Okay, you're in." Oh God! And so Joe goes back in, and he they win the game. The Vikings win the game with a guy who could barely function. And and at the, at, you know, they they didn't do the formal post game interviews like they do now. The the writers go into the locker room, and Joe is sitting in his locker with uh, with a trainer, getting Fred Zamberletti. And and they're saying, well, Joe, tell us about what happened on this play. And and he says, I don't remember that play. Oh, yeah. You're, yeah. you're going to have to talk. You're going to have to talk to somebody else. He did not remember almost all of the game that he played. And and you know, but but basically, that's scary. Willed, willed, well, it is scary. But he willed himself through through that pro, through that process because they didn't have a, they didn't have a second quarterback and who was it was the Colts right with two years earlier when Unitas went down and Quasso went down again they turned to a guy named Tom Maddy oh well, remember that he was a, a halfback back. he was a halfback yeah, yeah halfback who who had a, a big uh, a forearm he had, he, had, he had played quarterback in high school or college or something played in high school he, he, they they put a forearm pad on him and wrote the plays down on the forearm pad so that he could he, he could won a, like a, a two games game. didn't he starting yeah yeah they won a couple of games with him so so yeah the bench the bench depth is crucial and I mean the 49ers situation again with with Purdy what what is, what team was uh the kid from Notre Dame and Terry Hanrad he was at the was Steelers yes he was a Steelers quarterback well he, he he but he never he was a third string quarterback and he like never played so all of a sudden one one day they knock out Bradshaw and it was the second string was a uh, Jefferson Street Joe Gilliam right yeah, Gilliam. So they put him in there. He lasts about five plays, and it, of course, it's, it's a day when it's like two degrees or something. And he's got the the knit cap on, and he's got the the real you know the, the letter jacket on, not even the. And he's and he's he's charting the plays. All of a sudden, they turn to him, and they're like, "You're in." And the look on his face, you got to be well, kidding me. <laughs> he had no, but, but no so, more desire to go in that game than I did. <laughs> so my my all time favorite league that does that deals with these bench issues is the NHL, and and how. In every at every NHL game, sitting in the stands is a goalie who has been certified by the clubs 
you know, by the by the home team as as able, you know, able to play. And I think I think he could suit up for either team. But but the the Blackhawks had that kid from who their their backup goalie. So the Blackhawks. He was like a guy. Who, he had been a goalie in college, and he was like thirty and played in a. He like played, a men's he league played or at, the, at the ice house. Yeah, like by, a men's uh, league or something. Down by the stadium. Yeah, and, and yeah, and and so he had been designated as the as the emergency goalie, and they lose the they lose the first goalie in uh, in in some collision, and then the second goalie gets hurt. The backup goalie gets hurt in warmups, so so they've got I think, you know, well when the first goalie goes down, they they call this kid on his cell phone and say, "Go put your pads on." And he goes down into the locker room, the Blackhawks locker room, puts his pads on, gets the jersey on, they get him fitted up. Second guy goes down in warm-ups at the start of the third period. This kid comes out and plays like a period of hockey yeah. as a, a goalie where he came to the game in civilian clothes. I think he probably had a beer or two. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I mean, but you know I'm what's sure, weird about that? Little... I'm sure in the history of the NFL there's something, there's something there's a comparable Oh, the, the Hawks have somebody it, it used to happen. Pants. used to happen a lot when you only had one goalie. Yeah, oh, I'm sure of that. Right, now, explain this to me, I'm an attorney and former agent. How do the Hawks get away with not signing that guy to a one-day contract? Because they don't. They pay him like 500 bucks for the game, and they give him his jersey or something. They have a special. They have a special provision under the collective bargaining agreement that allows for this. That that that's how that's how they set that. But up. what if he gets hurt? Uh, he files a workers' compensation claim. So he is. He is. How can he be their employee if he doesn't sign up for the day? Well, he's he he. I don't think he is their employee. I think he's an independent contractor that they that they bring in for for this this one, you know, these emergency situations. But he is not, as I understand it, he is not signing an NHL contract. But, but if you and I go down to spring training early in the year, and we're a movie star, you could be a movie star, and we go to get we go to get one at bat in a game, they have to sign us up for a contract, a minor league contract for that day. That that's probably right. I think in the in the in baseball, but but hockey has a different bargaining agreement, Chief. All right, hey, I have a quick question because um, we have all the other stuff we talked about earlier. We're not done with, but we'll never be done with it. What is what is in two minutes or less? What is going on with this transfer portal stuff? Who's doing this for these kids? If they're not supposed to be agents, who the hell are they? I mean, these kids aren't doing it. The girl from DePaul is thirty schools she's fending around with. She's not doing it. I mean, I, she may, maybe she's got an uncle who's an attorney or something. I don't know the, the situation, but I'm guessing that there's people that are they're letting themselves out for this. And how are you getting paid? No, nobody's going to take a percentage of her salary in the WNBA four years from now. Is part is it, how are these kids paying these people, or what? What is the deal? Or are these guys well, getting a percentage I, of I the suspect, name, image, and likeness stuff? Or what, how's how's this all working? Well. In some cases, the name so the name, image, and likeness stuff is is often handled through a separate corporate entity, as we've talked about, that that is established, and they take they take a cut of whatever you know whatever marketing revenue is is generated. They take a portion of that, or they're paid a salary off of that, and then and then that gets distributed to the athlete. So that's one way of doing it. But but the specifics. I mean, you know, hockey and baseball have long had the concept of a family advisor. That I believe, I believe that's right. the official term. That that uh, sits down with the family and walks them through the process and helps guide them through 
through you know the portal applications and, and, and everything else. They can't be paid. They can't be an agent. So they're not they're not getting paid that way. But but what they're doing is is their compensation is set based on revenue earnings once these once these players either turn pro or or they have some kind of arrangement. Right. So if I can NIL, get a if I can get a facility. if I can sit a, you can get a guard down to Alabama where all the offensive lines getting paid a hundred grand to go to some pizza joint, I'm going to get forty grand out of the hundred for getting them there. Um, yeah, but you got to be really careful. I mean, it can't. It can't, there can't be any kind of formal agreement, and and it can't. It can't be done. Uh, it can't be done. I don't think it can be done in writing. I, I think. I think what the, the the way these guys get paid is with an arrangement with the NIL, not with the athlete. All right. So, okay. So they're getting paid directly from the NIL. I think so. I Which mean, is I, I mean, even more be, bizarre. I think that would. I think that would be. Yeah, I know. I, but that would be a safe. That would be the safe way of doing it. Or, or they're successful enough at this that they are generating a revenue stream of people who are going from your counseling group to to the pros who then come back to your yeah, counseling no, no, group. Nobody's going to do that for a sophomore that uh, is three years away and they're not pro material. No, no, no. The, you're making money off the people down the road. Right. You're not making money off the people immediately. Well, yeah, I'm saying I don't know that anybody's going to take a chance on the NBA, or WNBA for that. And that's not a sexist <laughs> comment, but, but you, know, you might. I mean, it, no, no, I mean, I, I, I agree. But if, if somebody if somebody comes out if somebody comes out of uh, of college like uh, what's her face, the gymnast at uh, yeah. LSU, done. I mean, I mean, she's she's unlikely to be a, an Olympic gymnast or make a lot of money in a professional gymnastics tour. Maybe she could, but what she's going to make a gazillion dollars at, and she is. Is her her nil rights, and and when she goes off, when she comes out of college, she'll she'll go. I mean, the two basketball twins out yeah. of uh, Miami. But you're not going to see Andrew getting a hundred thousand bucks from nil Alabama, and Andrew turning around and writing you a check for forty and trying to deduct. No, it. that's not going to happen. It'll it'll have to come. It'll have to come from the nil. All right. Well, thanks, Lou. S&P futures up seven. S&P futures up thirty four. We're up, but we're leaking a little bit. We're way up yesterday, so this is certainly not any kind of a sell off. Uh, we'll be right back, Mr. Danjanitas. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 
treatment. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. There's something happening here. Blowing up Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howie. Andrew on the phone. Or on the phone and the, and the board. And, the, and he's in... Uh, Zoom, he's everywhere. SP Futures only up 650 now. When I say only, we're up more than that. But still, we're, we're positive after a really positive day, which is positive. I use the word positive there a little too much. NASDAQ's up 31 to earnings numbers. Cisco, which cannot get out of its own way, uh, came out with earnings. They're down eighty seven. That's 4% trade in 45.76. Walmart, however, came out with a beat on revenues. They're up 234, up 1.5%. It's not a big move, but a move. Uh, do we have Mr. Dan? Yes. Mr. Dan, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Uh, yesterday uh, caught us a little bit by surprise. We're kind of chasing the NASDAQ a little bit, although we've been spot on on the other stuff because the NASDAQ has been such an outlier, but it continues to be. I, uh, I don't know. I've had everybody I've had on this week. I keep axing them, axing them. How axing. long can this uh, uh, few stocks drive the place? Well, yesterday the rest of the market joined in. Uh, yes. and, I, and some of the things I thought were really odd. I mean, Home Depot couldn't get out of its own way, and it's earnings day, and the day after it's up eleven bucks. I don't, I don't know where did that come from. I mean, it, it was kind of a weird thing. You know, it's normally yeah, see that's, that. cool. that's the way the market has been lately. It it seems to um, it doesn't seem to be necessarily following the logic of whether it be you know beating earnings or or if it if a company is beating earnings, it may rally for a day and then it gives it back the next day and then like a week later. So. There doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to this market, uh, certainly based on fundamentals or, or earnings. My belief is that in these on these days like yesterday, we used it as an opportunity to sell some of the higher risk or higher beta uh, names that we have. So this this was a this was just creating an opportunity for for sale. I'm still concerned. Oh, uh, you've seen you're, that makes you that makes you a, a communist basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but uh, but I think the I think uh, the concerns about the debt ceiling. Although we do we have had like some relatively good speaking points on that. Also, the concerns about you know higher rates have not found their way into the system yet. We had a lot of increases in a very short period of time, and we've had five hundred basis points or five percent increases. We may get another one in June. June mid-June, but what we definitely have is tighter credit, and that puts a restriction on growth. So 
although I'd like to believe that growth, you know, can kill, can keep going. I think it will keep going, but I think at a slower pace. Well, Dan, so, it's uh, you know, those that don't know, Dan and I both do some work for uh, a couple of the same organizations. I do the protective stuff in the, in the stock area, and Dan does, uh, which he's very good at, by the way. He does our fixed income stuff, and uh, but then there's all kinds of other people. I mean, you don't you don't have access to everybody's stuff like I do. Uh, and but we have an awful lot of people, Dan, that have a lot of their own stocks too. Uh, yes. And a lot of them, uh, you know, let's watch CNBC. And I'm not. They have Nvidia. They got Apple. They got Google. But you, you can you can on the list of the stocks that they basically pay homage to all day. And we have Nvidia's this one. And again, this is not any kind of trading advice whatsoever. But the stock went from like you know 30 in 2019 to a high of I'm going to say 329 or something. In uh, early, maybe late 2021, was flying down to almost 100, and now it's back to 305. So we had all kinds of guys that were wailing and gnashing of teeth uh, when it went from you know 329 down to 100 and something. And I'm going to say it's back up to 305. Well, right now it's 305. It's up another four bucks there, 377. We have not had one person call me up and say, "Hey, chief, you know the stuff you do for your protected program." Shouldn't we be protecting this NVIDIA up here, or lightening it up a little? Not, not one person. They, they, they listened to the NVIDIA people on TV yesterday. Somebody else said the stock could triple from here or up to like 170 times earnings or something. Again, this is not investment advice, but I got, I got something you'll appreciate, Dan. Maybe somebody else will as well. This is from, actually, I won't, I won't tell you where it's from. This is, uh, uh, says the, the American public, uh, this guy testified, Determined to speculate. They were determined that every piece of paper would be worth tomorrow twice what it was today. I do not believe the whole banking community could have prevented it. When it had taken full sway, the people, and there was an absolute runaway feeling throughout the country. I doubt whether anybody could have stopped it before calamity overtook us. I call it a panic to be afraid to sell at a, at a profit, lest the additional profit be lost. The panic which keeps people at roulette tables, the insidious propaganda against quitting a winner, the fear of being taunted by those who held on, all worked together. It came not only a point of pride, but of civic duty not to sell if there ever was a buyer without a, as if there was ever, there ever were a buyer without a seller. This is a congressional testimony after the crash of 29. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I, I uh, you know, that there, like as you were saying earlier, you were alluding to earlier with your comment that there's, you know, you want to believe, believe in the system and you certainly want to invest and stay invested, but we also have the fiduciary responsibility of making money for our clients and more importantly, preserving capital. So if you're looking at a shorter period of time and we are active managers, we are gonna take advantage of opportunities to sell uh, yeah. sell into rallies when we don't have the same level of conviction that we, that we may have had, or we have a better opportunity. So. You know, we were buying one-month T-bills last week at five and a half percent. So if you, you know, that is the definition of a risk-free rate. You oh, yeah. buy three, three months at five and a quarter. So we are making an investment decision, and we are invested in our government. So we're, you know, we're still in the market, but we, I think, depending on the client's needs, their age, um, the most important thing from my point of view is preserving capital if you've worked hard and you're at retirement or close to retirement this is the time to take a little off the table now it doesn't mean you can't get back in again right. but i believe you'll be able to get back in again a little bit um cheaper 
And the thing is, we've been very carefully watching those companies that have really strong fundamentals, really strong balance sheets, really, really strong management teams. And even those companies have been hit 30 or 40%. And the question is, when do you step back in? And the answer that I would give, not quite yet. I do think we need a little more time before before the our system works itself out. The, the whole labor market needs to get resolved. That's still, that's still mismatched. Um, the debt ceiling issue needs to get resolved. I think there could be a nice rally in front of us short term when we get some relief on this debt ceiling or at least we get a decision that's firm. And it does seem to be that the talk is, I don't think it's gonna be an issue. It's certainly not gonna affect the government market, but it, it's still an uncertainty. I mean, there's too many uncertainties. The biggest uncertainty that I still believe are the impact that the higher rates that we've seen over the last year are gonna have they're already having an impact on smaller companies. Well, they're, they're impacting the smaller companies. I mean, clearly the, yes. the Russell's been getting, now the question is, at some at some point, and boy, I'm surely not smart enough to tell you today, at some point you want to go along this Russell and short the Qs. Now, I don't think we're there yet. But, you know, yeah. but, you know I, I'm a, you know, I'm more of a trader and a protector and I can execute what people want to have happen and that's what I'm good at. Uh, clearly I'm not good at when stocks, well, I don't know if anybody is, but the stock's going up, the stock's going down every day. But the, somewhere I cross over, Dan, from, I'm not a technical guy, I mean, I don't know if that's your strong suit either, but some people really get off on that. Somewhat of a fundamental guy, but I'll, I'll keep beating up on this NVIDIA. Again, and it's not, this is not trading, but the stock, let's say it's 300 bucks. I mean, I, what I'd like to say, someday, somewhere, not today, because it's growing, it's, they're writing this AI, they're, they're the best gaming chips, I mean, they got all this stuff going for them. No doubt about that. Stocks, I'm going to say, well, it was 160 times earnings, you know, a few rallies ago. So let's say it's 170. But if, but I would, if you had a bunch of this stuff, I'd say, Dan, okay, at some point, it's $300. And I don't care if they keep growing, I mean, whatever. I don't, at some point, at 300 bucks, these guys should be making uh, 15. You know, that would be 20 times earnings, right? And they should be sending you a check for five. Do you think these guys are ever going to make fifteen and send you a check for five? And they're mm-hmm. going to they're look at you like you got four heads and say, "What are you talking about?" They're never going to do that. Well, then, well, at some point, if if the world crashes around, they don't even have to. The the price is too high. It doesn't mean it's a bad company. They're a great company. I mean, they, they seem to have the future, God, in their back pocket. But things can be too high, right? I mean, I, I love Absolutely. your car, but it's not four hundred grand. It's four grand. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? I mean, I, and, and that's a very hard concept because you you know as well, the hardest thing in the world, if, if you put together even your bonds uh, to a certain extent, and by the way, you trade securities too, uh, if you were to say, Tom, here's your, you know, suppose hit $5 million to dump on poor Dan, and I, I promise I wouldn't call you every day, Dan, with myself, but uh, if, if you have somebody and say, okay, we're going to put, uh, we got $5 million bucks, we're going to put 200000 in what? Well, that comes out to 25 different stocks, right? At the end of the year, we're going to have a few that are clunkers, a bunch that maybe did okay, a few that were, you know, probably a bunch that didn't do anything, and we're going to have some that basically kicked ass, right? And you're going to have the conversation okay. with me and say, okay, well, we only really, now you've got $6 million. We had a great year, okay, thank God. But now we're going to be, you know, $210,000 
in those stocks because we're going to go back and rebalance our portfolio. Now, in order to do that, we're going to have to sell some of the big winners because we're not sure that they're going to do that year in a row. And you're going to, and I, my first, if I wasn't a trader, my first words would be, what are you doing? You're selling the good ones, right? It's really yeah, hard I to do that. that. A lot of clients would see it as well, but, but, but it, you know, there, there has to be some discipline in the selling, selling process. Like you're saying, rebalancing is really important. And you have to be, be willing to um, start trimming at least, um, you know, these positions that have made money. I mean, that's, that, again, is, is part of our job is, is to know um, the timing to lighten up because it could just take one piece of information and if all of a sudden you've got a large, you know, you've got an overweight or something and there's a negative uh, information, not on that company, but on another company in the industry that drags it down or some economic event or uh, no resolution with the debt sailing or, or some other event, then all of a sudden you're taken down. So why not take some profits? Well, why but not, I'm saying you know, you're absolutely correct. You're preaching the choir, but I'm saying it's a tough combination to have. Conversation it's a very tough combination to have. And the other point that you brought up too earlier was just that fear of missing out on that extra little piece. But that's where I actually had a prospect meeting. I'm up up in up in New England um, now, and I had a prospect meeting the other guy and the other day. And the guy was, you know, he had a very simple way of looking at it. He goes, "I can either like manage my money as he's going to retire in a few weeks." And he says, "I can either manage my money or look at my money being managed to preserve it and to have some income." Or I can go to the casino, and he kept yeah. using the word casino to mean basically the stock market. And and I think the point is, he had the same question. He goes, he got out early. He got out a couple of, a couple of years ago out of the market. And I said, no, you actually timed that quite well. All that money that you've earned over the last decade, you know, when you were the market was going in one direction, you've captured that. You've realized that. And now you're getting paid something for, you know, for your more conservative strategy. So. Not so bad, you know. That's actually not so bad. But I do understand that that wanting to stay in the market, wanting to continue to, um, you know, you, you you can't fall in love with the stock. No. You know, wanting to say that, you know, but looking at the other point you made that I totally agree with is looking at the valuation, and that's what we do when it's time to sell, whether it be a stock or a bond. There is going to be a time to sell when it becomes overvalued because it's no longer part of our strategy, and there are better opportunities elsewhere. I mean, you've got to you've got to keep an open mind on what else is out there, um, or you're, that's where you're really going to miss out. Hey, one question I actually have to ask you before I forget, because I always do, because we wander off, or I wander us off. You don't do that. Uh, I've got a bunch of guys. Uh, PTI is a bunch of people that had uh, T bills come and do uh, actually today. I'm I'm going to recommend the three month this time, not the six. What do you think? Absolutely, yeah. The three, though, if you if you. You really depending on the time horizon. The one month, like I said, it's close to five fifty. The three month is five and a quarter, um, and that's pretty good. I mean, the five month, I, you know, we were buying some the other day at five twenty. So, yeah, I think we're going to see in the short run potentially another increase in June. So, if you buy short term, all you got to think about is that rate's going to go higher. If the reason that you would go longer now, you know, like six or months or even a year, is if you think rates are coming down. While the market might be telling you there's going to be a cut, I, w- I would bet. I don't know if I buy that. Yeah. By, by when the is the? the uh, so I should know. Short. I should know this. So I'll embarrass myself on the air. The three month auction is every Monday. If you, when's the one month? I don't know if we've ever done that. 
Yeah, I mean, they're the same thing. I think you can get one month. We're what what we do is we buy in the secondary market. Okay, right. So we buy a three month that's been out for two months, if if that makes sense, or we buy a six month that's you know going to mature. It's been out for five months. So buying in the secondary is really where you can pick up another ten or even twenty basis points. And while it doesn't sound like much, that could be you know that could be our fee. You know that could be it's yeah. it's just enough to. Um, Help out. We are getting institutions. What's the uh, what's the minimum in the, in the secondary? Oh, it's is you know generally it's five thousand is is where you want to, but we can trade them as low as two. I've even been able to trade them as, as low as one in the and secondary. Okay, because I mean we we looked yesterday in anticipation of me talking to you today. Uh, we looked at an RBC, which isn't well, they're not the best at this, but yeah. he, but that's why we go to the auction, but. Uh, just the difference in the one month between the bid and ask was like a whole percent. Yeah, it should be. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot. That's absolutely not. But I will say that the, the bid asked in bonds in general has widened out, and it's that widening, and I think we spoke of this last week, it's that widening of the bid asked that really concerns me in terms of, you know, making this uh, move lightening up. I mean, if you start going up to high-grade bonds, it even widens further, and then you go up to high-yield bonds, or down to high-yield bonds, depending on the direction. I go up because I think of going up because of the extra yield, but now you're at least a full point spread, in in some cases, two or three point spread. That is not a good time to be buying, unless you can, you can negotiate like we do and get something in the middle, or unless you're dealing with an institutional market like we are, and you're getting better pricing. But it's very difficult for for someone trading in the retail market to make money in an environment on bonds when you have a spread that wide. Well, it's and even it harder. In, it's even harder in the. We were down to, you know, three or four market makers in, in stock options, and you get off the beaten trail into some stock that doesn't trade very much, and just to do your normal normal covered right roll is a, is a challenge. We, I mean, that's what we do all day. Is this fight with these prices? Yeah. There's a huge difference. When you go yeah, in there and absolutely. It, yeah. I was, at, I was at a conference in Palm Beach a, a few months ago, and I, I was a speaker, and, and, the, and one of the questions was, was, you know, what keeps you up at night? What are the things you're concerned about? And I said, well, not credit, because we do our homework, not the companies we're investing, because we do our homework, so that that's not it. Not interest rates, you know, which a typical bond manager would be concerned about, because we stay short. We're on the short end of the curve. But liquidity would be my concern. And as you're saying, and I'm saying too, liquidity is becoming an issue. And that's an issue that the average trader, the average guy that's trading NVIDIA on his own is not seeing so much, or they might be seeing a little of it, but we see it all day long. So that liquidity is telling us a story and I think we need to listen to it. Well, we have a real big position because a lot of people in the Chicago area and other places, uh, if you worked for UPS years ago, you retired with a lot of stock. So. Um, we time to time have a lot of people that have UPS stock and we try and protect it or whatever the client wants us to do. And, you know, when you start talking about doing a covered right roll and, the, you know, the, the market on the screen is, you know, one and a half, two and a half, well, you, yeah. you, can't, you can't give that up every month. So we're yeah. constantly, you know, we're at two. Okay, maybe we're at, you know, 190, but we're not at 150. I mean, and we just, this, this could take a couple of days and a lot of, Sometimes changing the price four times, going to different exchanges. I mean, it, it's a yes. lot of work. It, 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 you know, it's a really, it's kind of a thankless job because none of the clients have any idea that you're working at hard on stuff. You, you are exactly right. It is, and and I don't think people realize that there's a nuance to trading. And, and having been a high yield bond manager, we still have a dealer's market. You're still negotiating, yeah. and you 
But the good thing is with interactive brokers, we can see the other right. market makers, and they do. You know, you can you can you can see them like just as you put in a in a you know you're looking to buy something, and all of a sudden the you know the ask price just keeps rising, and so you have to time it just right in order to not you can't be too anxious. You can't be too anxious on either side of the trade. You have to be more patient in an environment like this where liquidity is starting to dry up. Well, it, it's the uh, the old adage I used to when I used to lecture a lot. Dan, I'd say uh, just simple stuff. You know, a lot of retail people. And it's not, when I say that, you're not calling a retail person a dummy because if you're talking to a doctor, you sure as hell want me taking out your appendix. I mean, it's it just comes down to how good you are at whatever you, you're in. And I would, I would do something real simple. This is back, you know, back in the dog days when everything was an eighth. I'd put IBM up there and I'd say uh, 160 to a quarter last trade and 160 and an eighth. And I'd say, where's IBM trading? And they go, 160 and 8. I go, no, it's not. What do you mean it's not? I said, that's, that's a historical artifact that it just traded 160 and 8. I said, you can't trade it there. What do you mean? I said, well, if you want to buy it, you're going to pay 160 and a quarter. If you want to sell it, you're going to sell it at 160. How is that? It just traded 8. You're right. It just traded at 8. <laughs> but it's not where you could buy it or where you could sell it. It's, it's a concept that you don't, you don't necessarily get unless that's what you do all day. Exactly, and right now again, it's 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 not just an eighth or a steenth. It's we're talking maybe a half point to yeah. a point in some cases. So that's where yeah, you're right. Our job is to pay attention to that and to time it right. And you could just happen to be getting a seller that comes in and and isn't as price conscious or needs to sell something, and you can and, and that's what we do all day. I mean that take and you're right. It does take time and it does take skill. There's a skill to trading. There's no question about it. Well, Dan, we have a few minutes. What is it? When you when you're getting say five and a quarter on a six month T bill, and there's a there's a company even if you like the company, let's go out a year. Let's say twelve months is five percent roughly. Even if you like the company, like the management, and you think they're going to do well, or you know, an infrastructure, there's something. But but basically, crap can always happen. What, what do you yeah, what do you need, what do you need from these guys extra from the five percent to say I'm going to go here? But it, it's not going to be five and a quarter. You know, but it, no. but, it, but it's also not going to be twenty either. If you like the people, where is it? Is it a judgment call on your part? Is it? Is, is there? Do you have a formula, or what, how do you how do you decide? Absolutely, and that's a great question. And actually, right now, today, this morning, I'm going to visit a company here in Massachusetts that uh, Service Properties Trust. That's a it's a real estate investment trust that has has hotels and travel centers. And for example, it is exactly, it's a a perfect example for what you just asked because it's a bond and the SVC is the ticker on the the stock, but the bond matures March 15th of 2024, pays four and five eighths, trading at a discount. Today, you can get it for, if you can get it for seven, seven and a half, then I think it's okay, but do not buy it less than 7% because the risk you're taking um, the credit risk that you're taking is is not worth um, the you know getting that you know the getting that seven percent you're not getting paid for it and that's exactly what you do as a bond manager a high yield bond manager you look at the spread over the comparable treasuries you're looking at the alternative all the time now the interesting thing is with the, the yield curve shaped so so um, inverted at the short end of the curve that means you're getting paid a lot to stay short. So in order to get the right amount of yield, I would say 7%, 7.5% on a bond like that. And another one, uh, OMF, One Main Financial that we've talked about, consumer credit company, 
you're getting about 9% for a one-year bond, and I think you're getting paid okay there. But good good um, point or thing to, thing to look at, the, mar- the market has bifurcated. So the names that look like they're, they're money good, they're only getting you like 570, 580. And at some point you gotta say, is it worth taking that credit risk? And it certainly isn't if it has a five handle on it. So if you can get 550, 525 on a T-bill, you need at least six percent on any corporate bond to make it make it make sense. All right, Dan. Now, would that correlate? Uh, you're, you're, we're, we're going off your judgment, which, by the way, I would go off of. But uh, if now this SEC versus the OMF, and you're saying, and one you, you'll take seven and a half, the other you kind of want nine. Now, does that correlate into one being A rated and the other one triple B, or would you mean it? Does it correlate to that, or is this is this, is this the Dan rating, or would it be this both? Is, this, this is definitely the Dan rating and the and the Kratos rating, and the and doing the homework that we do, and like literally meeting with the CEO of the company today, and meeting with the management team of the company, so that we can make those decisions. Um, you have to be careful with looking at the rating agencies. If they're rating it um, triple B, but it should really be rated single B, but they just haven't up, you know, they haven't updated their rating. I will promise you. They always update their ratings after um, the price of the bonds has dropped. So, so it might be trading like a, an investment grade, a single A. Um, a lot of the banks, a good example of the banks. So the banks that were Ally Bank and, and a lot of the like banks that everyone knows still have high ratings on them, but they're trading like they should be in junk, like below investment grade, like maybe double B or even single B. So we look at the spread, and the spread is that risk premium. It's very easy with bonds, and you you determine whether that risk premium is worth taking. And in some cases, it's not. And like I'm saying, as a general rule, I would say um, SVC uh, Service Properties Trust probably is a little better credit. Um, but I think One Main Financial is a decent credit and actually the stock of one main financial is is still doing well it's done well in this environment so i think that's the better of the two and you're getting certainly getting paid close to nine percent for a one-year bond the the risk premium is well worth taking which is which is supposedly better single b or double b well double b is is better but again the rating agencies the actual rating part of our job and i've learned this since day one in the business is to make our own rating determination because right. the rating agencies are slow to adjust the ratings. There's a process that they go through that's that's very onerous, and by the time that rating has been adjust, adjusted up or down, you've already lost. Plus, how long know? does it take you to be able to, to to recognize the the ratings of all three of the rating agencies and determine which is which? I never I never got to that spot. Yeah, it's 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 um, generally not very long after we've started the. Homework. The first thing you do is you look at where it's trading. So if it's trading like a double B, but it's but it's rated single A. Like th- this is a good example. The banks, you know, when the banks got hit. Yeah. Um, then you then you from there you you the first thing is the spread or or the yield. So if you're getting seven and a half, and it's got a single A rating, there's probably something wrong. So then you look at the company and you make your own determination. Should it really be double B? Should it really be single B? Is it on? You know, is is the credit improving? Um, and that's where that's where you can differentiate between companies. Do and you credits. look at last question? Do you look at there's three rating agencies, right? Do you look at one of them? You think one of them is better than the rest? S and P and Moody's are by far the best. Fitch is not 
you know, not, uh, you know, it's good to have a third one, but, but I'd say S&P and Moody's. And again, you really need to look at, we know the analysts, um, you really got to look at the time frame. Like okay. when, when do they last upgrade? Same thing with the street. You know, it's the same thing with the uh, Wall Street when somebody's recommended a stock. They got to really stay on top of it. Because oftentimes that buy recommendation, we look at some stocks where they have a very bullish rating. If you take the average of, of all the analysts, very bullish rating, um, nine and a half out of 10. And then all of a sudden that stock price drops and they haven't adjusted the rating. Maybe it's more attractive at the lower price, but obviously those analysts didn't get it right. right. So we do our own homework, which is which is how you differentiate and really how we make money and add value. All right, Dan, thank you very much. We'll be seeing you in a, in a couple of weeks. We'll talk at you weeks. next week. Look forward to it. SP Futures up three, Nancy Futures up 17. Be right back, Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Right 
Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen, on the board. SB Futures, not only up three, NASDAQ Futures up 16, uh, so we're still up. But uh, again, we came off a huge move yesterday, so Dow Futures are down seven, even with Walmart uh, earnings came out. They're up 217, so one and a half percent. But Cisco's the other way. Cisco's down uh, almost two bucks, it's four percent. Everything else in the Dow is slightly green, but not very much. Honeywell's up 92 cents. Uh, nothing, nothing crazed anywhere along the line near Europe. However, it's playing some catch up because we've been up the last few days and uh, they've been very languishing, but they're catching up today, although they're a little lower than they were earlier. DAX up 241, 1.5%. It was like 1.7%. FTSE up 35.5%. CAC around up 62.8%. So, you know, very pretty bullish over there. Nikkei up 480, 1.6%. Hang Seng up 166.8%. And these guys back and forth, back and forth. 19,727 they are. Shanghai up 13.4%. Uh, yesterday, Big Wally, Dow up 408, uh, S&P up 48, NASDAQ up 157. We've got bonds, 10-year up 4 basis points, 3.62. The Bund up 7 basis points, that's a lot, 2.41. Japan up 3 basis points to 0.39. We've got oil uh, down 19 cents, 72.70. Brent down 26 cents, 76.70. 76, that was a $4 spread there between Brent and West Texas. Uh, natural gas up, up 4 cents, 240. Our Bob Unchanged, 257. We've got gold, which is getting whack whack lately. 1976, that's down 850. Silver down 19 cents, 2370. Copper down 3 cents, 371. We've got Bitcoin uh, down 72 bucks, 27,301. Kind of a far away from you know, over 30,000 it was there for a while. And the culprit on most of this is going to be the dollar, which is up again today. It's, uh, the euro's down under 108, which we haven't seen in quite a while. And we haven't seen the British pound down 124. They were 126 and a half and 111 two, three weeks ago. And those are two and a half percent moves in a currency. That, that's a real lot. Uh, Andrew, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? All right, it is uh, 7.37 here in Chicago on May the 18th. Starting off with some sports. Uh, the Cubs lost last night, losing to the Astros in their game 7 to 6. But the White Sox won over the Guardians in their game 7 to 2. Over in Phoenix, the Dynabacks won over the Athletics, ending their game 5-3. Over to Chicago, the weather is currently 52 degrees. We have sunny, clear skies, and looks like throughout the day we're going to have a, about a high of 73. And over in Phoenix, they're currently at 77 degrees. they got partly cloudy skies. They're going to have a high of 96 today. Now, finally, over to Chicago traffic. Uh, looks like still, thankfully, only one accident on the major expressway. It's the same as earlier. Uh, it's on the uh, inbound. I would actually know this is a different one. It looks like a similar spot. This time it's on the Eisenhower. Uh, there's an accident on the entrance ramp, entrance ramp at Costner Avenue. Uh, and otherwise, traffic is looking a little bit heavy if you're coming in on the major expressways. A little bit lighter if you're coming in from the south, but as always, it's pretty heavy if you're coming in on that Kennedy through that construction. So that's all I got. Do we have Mr. Flanagan? You got Mr. Flanagan too, right? Yes, you do. Good morning to all. How are you? Good. And you, Tom? I'm doing okay. Uh, um, interesting day trading yesterday. It's uh, uh, you know, we the these the moves in the dollar really cause crazy stuff to happen in the market. I mean, it, it's good for the market. It's not so good for gold and for oil and stuff. It's a uh, these all trades all kind of yoke together a little bit. It's almost like you, you could almost trade one thing and you don't even need to be. If you trade the dollar correctly, you don't need the other stuff. It's kind of a sort of the same deal. I, the amazing amount of enthusiasm that's being yesterday, they were just agog that if we have this, this debt settlement agreement, no matter what it is, if there's a deal, a deal, 
all of a sudden the market's going to go up, you know, 8%, 10%. You know what, Jan, Greg, uh, even though I I told him not to, uh, actually timed on his stopwatch, of course it was his phone stopwatch, a million dollars growing in the debt on the debt.org page. And I I estimated it at two minutes. Of course, I estimated it totally wrong. It was 42 seconds to take a million, for it to go to a million dollars deeper in debt. And, uh, Okay, so these guys come up with a a deal this week. So what's that going to do? Drive it from forty two to forty five? I mean, it's, they're not. It's not like they're going to do anything substantive whatsoever. I mean, no. I, oh, I mean, it's some, it's some. And I know I've been a you know a voice in the wilderness saying you got to fix this stuff. And here it is, ten years later, the market's a lot higher and nothing's fixed. You know, and you, you know. I mean, I just sound like I want the bridge to fall down. I don't, but. I just uh, I don't see how this is a, a an ongoing deal where you you keep putting bills together, either tax decreases or spending increases, and come out with some load of BS about how it's actually going to be uh, accretive to uh, uh, cutting the deficit, and they never are. They just never are. I mean, and, and yet we believe this crap, or runs run bias one or the other. I don't know which. I guess you know I wouldn't feel so bad about all this if, you, if we had something to, to show for all of this misspent money. Yeah, let's... You know. I guess then it wouldn't be misspent. We're, if we're actually you know, going towards you know, production or you know, m- making an, an attempt at solving some of the, the biggest you know, the, you know, the drags we have on our system, which is, you know, I think right now it's, it's policing and education, just right up at the top, where we, we seem to have lost our way about why we're in this business at all, and yet you know the, the money just keeps rolling in, and the, the the conception of what these things are supposed to do is lost a long time ago, and we're just spending money to, to make ourselves unhappier and less safe and more stupid. So well, it's, it's like a, it's like a some sort of a disease, Jan. I mean, you'll yeah you'll have the the Fed totally or the SEC or whoever it was whoever was in charge, or everybody's in charge, I guess, in Washington, but then nobody's in charge. Something bad happens. You look at the 2008 fiasco. Somebody somewhere, I'm going to say at the Fed level or certainly the capital or the currency or someone, somebody had to be smart enough to see the blinking red light in front of you about how much money was being borrowed in Japan at 2% or 1%, brought over here and invested in mortgages at 6%. And even a couple of dummies like you and me, and we'll take Andrew with us, if we can put up a million dollars... And go borrow thirty million in Japan at two percent, and put in a mortgage loan at at uh, six. Okay, and we're making four percent spread on thirty million dollars. It's not ours. Even you and I can do well doing that. I got to believe we can do that, John. Even yeah. if we, oh yeah, even if we have to pay Lou to put it all together, you know, and he'll overcharge us that Lou guy. Um, but I mean, th- these this is what we pay these people for. So every time there's a total fiasco, the Elizabeth Warrens of the world go go basically rag at these people like they're 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 nasty ant that they did a horseshit job of being a regulator. At the end of the day, it's always we didn't have enough regulation; and they need more money. I mean, I I'd love to see one of these plans for the city of Chicago because I mean, even today, I have to say I love the city. One of these days, I'd like to see somebody to say, "Boy, you see this Inglewood area." We put all this money in there ten years ago or five years ago, and now we have um, 
20% more people in high school graduating, the grades are better, and we've got summer jobs for, you know, 500 people. We used to have 10 people. And, oh, by the way, the crime's down, and this looks looks like we're going down the right road. I don't see any of that, Jen. For all, no. Do you? Not at all. And there's no, you know, outrage that there isn't, you know, you know better signs of, of this money actually producing results that, that could give us something to be hopeful for or feel like we're, you know, it's okay to spend money if you do this kind of thing with it. Who, who's going to complain about that? But, but there's no outrage about spending money and, and getting the opposite result here. And you can just go down, you know, endlessly on a list of priorities where there's stuff to be done. And I don't know if money is the solution to these problems anymore at all, because the way it's been spent indicates that it's not fixing anything. Um, but I think there's, you know, it's kind of something that's buried in the, the John Durham report, where, you know, he doesn't make any criminal referrals and he doesn't call for any greater regulation on the FBI or, you know, you know, intelligence agencies, but what he says is even more damning and frightening. Yeah, because he says there's, there's been such a corruption of thinking um, that it's okay to you know ignore the Constitution and to you know become totally partisan in your objectives, even though you're supposed to be part of a nonpartisan agency funded by taxpayers. And this it, this is a greater threat to you know making any kind of progress when you've got you know. Big, Regulations being ignored, money being thrown around for all the wrong reasons, and all you do is pass the ball back and forth between one political party and the other, and the game just you know gets played endlessly, and everybody loses. Everybody what loses. Uh, in this country right now? What board of director thinks he works for the average shareholder? What? What's what representative thinks he works for? I'm not saying works. I'm sure in their mind they work for their district. But I was having this interesting discussion with Lou. I don't know if you're listening, but he, uh, you know. And by the way, I love jousting with Lou because the guy's brilliant, and uh, and just to be able to joust with him makes me feel good. But I don't. I don't get where. I, I want to know who who who's going to be the guy. He's taken as a knucklehead who took four years of Latin. You know, I was pretty good in Roman history. I forgot most of it, but they, whenever they were in trouble, they would they would get a dictator. Now, again, I'm not you know this is not chief chief for the dictator, uh, but they would bring somebody in. The guy'd take over. He'd basically kick ass, takes names, and then when the, when the crisis was over, he'd go back to his farm. They'd all just leave. They had how many guys like that? Ten, you know. But then they wouldn't they didn't want to consolidate power. They didn't want to stay. They wanted to go back where they were and the hell with you guys in Rome. I'm going back to my farm. I mean, I don't even know how you. I mean, right now, I'm going to this. I'll go out on a limb here and say every single congressman, if some bill's coming through, I know it's my job, if everybody else is stealing, to get some money for my district. Okay, I mean, I that would go against my grain, but I also know that if everybody else is getting greased, and there's a new bridge or a new railroad overpass or something, I bet you better get one for my guys. Okay, so I I get the railroad overpass, I get the money. I come back, I got 20 million bucks to spend on this overpass, which maybe we need, maybe we don't. And of course, I'm going to give it to the contractor that gave me the most money for my election. And now we just paid 20 million bucks for an overpass that probably, if it went up for a real bid, would be 15. And this is going on all over the place every day, everywhere, everywhere you see. It's how can how can I turn around now and point my finger at Hunter Biden? 
hey, you went overseas and you stole money. Well, I just stole money here. I mean, who, who exactly, I mean, who, who's our Adlai Stevenson? Who's our Dan Inouye? Who's our, uh, who's the little guy with the, the bow tie? Uh, that was his name, the senator, uh, Democrat. Paul Simon. Paul Simon. Who, who's that guy today where you can you can never pin them to anything, where they can actually say, uh, it's not like, you know, Paul Simon didn't try and get money for Illinois. I'm sure he probably did, but it's... Who actually can lead this crusade? I mean, I, I, I don't know. As, as much as I, the more I learn about the guy, the more I, I detest this Hunter Biden. Plus, I have a friend whose daughters knew the guy in Washington and said he was a bleep then, and that's when they were kids. So I don't, so I don't like the guy. But I, but I want to know who, who has a, a finger clean enough to say, hey, look what he stole in Ukraine. Yeah, but look what you stole here. I mean, it, it's reached the point out there. I mean, how do, you, how do you even have an insider trading unless you round up 2,000 people on the same day and all throw them in jail together. How do, you, how do you even go about this? I don't even know. It's it's so rampant. Well, it's another thing that comes out of the, the Durham report that doesn't go far enough about, you know, Hillary Clinton being approached, or her campaign being approached by a foreign government for favors should she be elected. And, you know, it doesn't say which country. It doesn't say what the favor was. It doesn't say you know exactly how this is going to pan out, but all of this greasing of the wheels, Tom. Um, I mean, th- that's the thing about the Hunter Biden case that's you know most offensive and maybe most typical is that when you get people involved whose only purpose or only skill is in connecting somebody on the outside who needs something to somebody on the inside who's got the power, and that person makes out like a bandit and the person greasing the wheels makes out like a bandit the people you know coughing up the money apparently get some of what they want anyway but none of this ever translates into any kind of a, a legislative agenda that i think anybody in the country could get behind if we really knew that it was it was only designed to to not help you know an entity other than some crooked operation in another country Jenners, there's the the economic and again you you have an amazing skill set in the law and your knowledge of history in these places, which, by the way, I'm pretty jealous of. Uh, <laughs> but on the, but on the, I could return the cops, of course. Well, but I mean, but I, I look at this when you have people, and they, I don't even know if the, if they know it going in, John. I mean, the amount of money the federal government basically pisses around. We're talking 42 minutes. There's a million dollars going someplace. The average American. I mean, I, I don't think I'm average when it comes to economics. I mean, I don't know if I'm a one percenter like Russell accused me of being, but I mean, I don't even know what a trillion dollars would look like, John. Much less like a lot of trillion dollars is, and I don't know that you would either. But the, the idea that that we're, to, we're we're tossing around tens and hundreds of millions of dollars for these projects and these contracts, people say, isn't it, isn't it crazy that uh, uh, you know the Bush election cost uh, you know whatever. Fifty million dollars, and the next one cost a hundred million dollars. A Trump, whatever. Jen, there, there's got to be twenty countries and hundred and fifty companies that would gladly front all that for a president or, or a senator if if they could, because one deal is worth a hundred. We're not even. It, it. What do you suppose a, a a fighter plane contract is, or a tank contract, or something simple? Bullets. Probably even simpler because nobody cares about bullets. It's not even in the paper. Uh, that you, if you stay if you stay low down, you probably do better. Let me make PT boat engines. I don't want to make the aircraft carriers if they even have PT boats anymore. But the, the amount of money that these guys spread around. I mean, look at this. 
this thing in Indiana. And uh, I, just, I was talking earlier in the week about the uh, South Shore. Things will be closed for, what, three or four years. Walsh, of course, has got the contract. The thing is 600 and some million dollars or something. I don't know. What's the bid? What, what should the bid have been? 400, 500? Are they, are they doing us a favor? Are they going to lose money? I doubt it. I mean, are they doing it as fast as they could? Th- that amount of money, God bless, you. Yeah, 670 million or whatever the number is. I should look at yeah, Do me a favor. Look that up, will you? What's the South Shore uh, Rehab Project? I thought it was 670, but maybe my, it was something else was 670. The, the amount of money that is being tossed the average person has no idea what that even means, Jan. And, every, and, I, and for you to say, hey, uh, John and Tom, you two idiots. You guys have a construction company, right? Well, yeah. When's the last time you got a, what are you doing? You're doing Walmart parking lots. Well, yeah. And by the way, Walmart drives a hard bargain. Yeah, they do. Notre Dame would drive a hard bargain. I mean, I don't know about Illinois, but they, other people could, what, what if I could get you one of these for like the county? They don't care what they pay. By the way, you got to pay me 10%, but I'm going to get you 25% more than your wildest dream you could charge. I'm happy as a clam to get you 10%, John. There, there's 25% now of graft available. It's up in the air, right? And, and, and economics are going to tell you people, people will show up to, to fill up that 25%, whether it's a politician, whether it's a, it's a, a lobbyist, whether it's a, what do you want to call them? A, what they, what's the, number, the name in uh, Mexico they call them? They're, uh, God, I'll think of it. It's, it's an interesting. There's, there's a name for it. You're a, a provider or something like that. Or you know you're, we're basically you're you're greasing the wheel to somebody. Of course, anytime there's a price higher than somebody's willing to do the job for, somebody will get in there to be the agent to be something. Economically, I mean, you may say I don't want those people in there, but the fact is they're there because the price is there. If if I got a deal, if I had a really bid on a Dan Ryan contract, and it came out to be a billion dollars, and I was going to make. You know, six or seven percent on the deal. I'm not. I'm not giving you the the uh, politician three percent. I'll say, wait a minute. I got risk on this thing at seven percent. If you if you want to pay me fifteen, well then there's money for you. There's not at seven, is there? No. This is this is you know what makes me laugh, Tom, when I hear all this stuff lately about our new mayor Brandon Johnson, uh, who's the first mayor. From the west side of the city, at least that's where he lives. Uh, did, um, doesn't he have a? Did he just sign on a house in Beverly? I heard that rumor. Is it true? Oh, that that could be. But uh, the, the people who were you know, you know, gloating or you know, you know, exuding the most you know, you know, joy about his being elected was that now finally, after not having had a mayor from the west side since 1931, people on the west side are going to get everything that they feel has been withheld from them. As you know, city hall has passed from the south side to the north side, every place in between except the west side. So if Johnson does in fact move to Beverly, I guess <laughs> all those people. Yeah, I don't know. That's just the rumor. That could, could be total BS. But but you know, even 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 were he to stay in Austin, um, I can guarantee you that if, at the end of, of a four-year, you know, Brandon Johnson administration, or should he be reelected, all of the property that has been decimated since the 1968 riots on the west side. And has never been rebuilt. Right. Will still be vacant. And sure. It will not have been rebuilt. I don't care how much money gets thrown around. I don't care what kind of dreams people come up with. I, the, the things that have never been fixed that you know got broke early on. No, nobody has apparently the, the will. To well, spend Ogden, money. Ogden Avenue went down in the King riots. It's still it's still down to the ground. Yeah. 
So I mean, we if, if we stop you for a second, it doesn't matter what side of the city we're talking about, and just look at what we've we've gotten used to coping with, and the inefficiencies of, of just rampant, you know, disobeying of traffic laws, basic stuff when it comes to the interstate. Let alone you know, on the city streets, but the interstates. Everybody, it's not from Chicago. Why, why would anybody? Why would anybody obey any law if you didn't have to right now, when nobody else is doing it? Well, that's that's the culture, Tom. That that's the real spillover effect. That you know, I I think we have to kind of build this into our, our future here because if we don't expect people to to pay fines for things like you know traffic violations, if we really expect them to observe you know you know laws about trespassing or refuse, you know, no, well, you, well, you expect or anything else? Of course not. You expect people to have the logic. I mean, when my dad died, my uncle's taking me all over the place. And when you see somebody do something really stupid in traffic, which you didn't really do that much in those days, you'd say, "Time, if everybody acted like that, would we have order or chaos?" And I'd say, and "I was like seven. I'd say, "Well, I don't think it'd be too good, okay?" <laughs> and uh, he goes, "No, <laughs> it has more to do with okay. If everybody went through the stop sign and everybody gridlocked the street, could we, could we even travel?" It goes, it goes below, you know, further than should you pay your ticket. The idea is. We don't want anybody behaving that way because if everybody does, it's going to be a mess. It, it's, it's really pretty simple logic, right? Yeah, it's I, really simple, Tom. And it, it shouldn't—we shouldn't be so befuddled, you know, about how to, to deal with the fact that it's gotten out of control. But but everybody has caved on this type of stuff. I don't see anybody talking about it. When was the last time you heard any reasonable discussion about how we need to improve policing of of traffic? Oh, well, we can't arrest anybody. We can't no. whack anybody with a billy club. Not that I'm saying we should be, but whatever it is, we, we got to put everybody in the system or let them go. And most, a lot of this stuff don't don't need to be put in the system. You know, a, a slap upside the head is probably plenty, uh, but the parents don't seem to care. I mean, it, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really know the. Uh, I don't want anybody getting clobbered or anything like that. But the simple fact is, we don't seem to have any clue as to how to go forward here, John. It's I was listening, talking to some guys last night. Of course, you never show up, or you could be involved in these conversations. Because in the current, <laughs> I'm already too depressed, Tom. Yeah, well, but the, but the current mayor is talking about all these new taxes, and of course, last night, people in the in the financial community, every time there's this threat on uh, transfer taxes and how what's left of the board of trade and the CBOE are saying, "You do that, we're leaving town." I mean, it's when it comes to taxes. I mean, I, I'm going to say I'm not causing, calling this person ignorant. I mean, I don't think he is. Uh, it basically comes down to, if I don't go to a strip joint, we should tax the strip joint because I'm not going to pay it. If I'm an alderman and I have a limo to work, let's let's increase the tax on parking downtown because guess what? I don't park downtown. It's all about anybody else you think is doing something you're not doing. I'm not a smoker. Let's raise the tax on cigarettes under the guise that I'm really saving that guy. Okay, he doesn't need my help. I mean, it's, you know, right? I mean, it's a word. And, and yeah. now... If this guy is dumb enough to go push forward a transfer tax, I mean, it's a very simple move to the CBOE. It just moves to Kansas City. The Board of Trade already has a backup generator, some backup place somewhere. You just, you just go. I mean, you, you can't just sit around and where's my next target of revenue? It's what am I spending the money on now? We're already giving people too much. Real quick, John, when you remember, you didn't take the, uh, the rest of us all took the uh, tax class at Notre Dame, Daryl, and Bob and everybody, we're all in the class together. Slim, uh, Mike Murphy is Slim, and uh, I mean the Dink, Dinkalo. He said, you know, all over the world, if you look, people pay somewhere between twenty-five and thirty percent. 
if you start charging more, people cheat. He went through a, bu- a bunch of different countries and how they got back, to how they got down to the 25, 30%. Even here, the corporate rate was, what, 70, and people ended up paying 25 because there were so many deductions. Right now, if you look at our taxes, and if you're in California or someplace, and if you're Phil Mickelson and you win, you win a tournament the last day of the year, and you make a million bucks, I'm going to say you're pushing 48 just on income tax here and there, and you got your property tax, you got your sales tax, you got to pay for your car thing. I'll bet he's up to, he must have a nice house, I'll bet he's up to 65%. God, John, that, that is unheard of. How, how much more, just an a, a overall question, how much more do you think you can get out of people? Oh, by the way, they're supposed to go to casino or buy lottery tickets too. Duh, that's nothing but tax. I mean, I mean how much more do they think they can get? Well, and look at the quality of life of the average Californian these days too. Yeah. Maybe maybe the Nicholsons are, are able to you know, put up with that because they, you know, they, they can live in secure communities where they don't have to you know, imagine what's really going on elsewhere. But the average person in California who's subjected to this taxation system, I think, is trying to get out of the nearest well, No, Nobody should. I mean, look at the stuff we had. Uh, who was on yesterday? We was talking about how we should have a flat tax across the, the board. And I said, wait a minute. For, for three quarters of the three stools of the, of the tax, three legs of the tax stool, they're very regressive. Your your um, payroll tax, your property taxes, your sale tax are very res- regressive, aren't they? Your oh, parking yeah. taxes, your your tolls. It's not like they charge Mickelson twenty bucks to go over to Skyway, and the guy doesn't have any money, two bucks. I'm going to say seventy percent of our tax system is incredibly regressive, isn't it? Well, it, it regressive in in many ways too, Tom, because the people. Who are contributing, you know, percentage-wise, the most are being treated the worst. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the truth, John. We got a dash buddy. We'll talk at you on Monday. Maybe I'll get to see you. By the way, the the big judges meeting was canceled last night because of the, uh, the Celtics game. You can't hear yourself thinking in Tripoli when the Celtics are playing. <laughs> but then they that's, got the, the that's, thing, a, that's a noble reason. <laughs> yeah, but then they got their ass kicked by Jimmy Buckets, which is always kind of fun to watch. SP Futures down now they're down six. NASDAQ Futures up two. So we're kind of we've, we've leaked back to the, the flat line here, but no. No hint of us giving up yesterday's loss yet. Or yesterday's huge gains, I'm sorry. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 708- 349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.